the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Well, good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I'm going to start off the show today by saying I do not intend to talk at all about what's happened the last two weeks Um, here in the country. Uh, The show today is going to be um, strictly about estate planning here in California. I will uh, address right now uh, Proposition 19. The uh, attorney I have locally that's been assisting me with Proposition 19 uh, is is, uh, no longer available to take on anyone else. And so because of that, I think it's um, important to be aware of that. Please don't contact me anymore with your request for assistance because I can no longer assist in that area. Uh, Even though I am a very experienced estate planning attorney myself, uh, just celebrated 40 years in practice back in December, I do not consider myself to be competent to do the proper planning for Proposition 19. I have a very good knowledge of just kind of what is to be done, but I don't know, I don't have a knowledge of the details. And because I don't have a knowledge of the details, there's so many moving parts involved, and I don't have the luxury of several weeks or months to get better educated so I could competently do that kind of work. I'm declining to do that work in my own practice. Um, If you have an attorney that's been assisting you with this, uh, please consider um, uh, con- contact that attorney, see if they have room or what I'm calling more bandwidth to assist other people. Please have that attorney that's working with you contact my office at radio at lawbob.com. Um, I may be able to send more work to them. Uh, I'm getting regular calls now as the deadline of February 16th approaches. I apologize to all of you out there. Um, I did what I could to help as many people as possible, and I have now reached the point where I'm focusing on doing additional things that those people need to get done in order to implement their Proposition 19 planning, such as, for example, going to court to uh, get rid of uh, irrevocable trusts that already exist, Uh, so that property can be taken out of those trusts and then put into a new irrevocable trust that uh, accomplishes the goals of Prop 19 planning. 
Uh, that's already starting to happen. I anticipate I will be doing uh, 10 to 12 petitions like that in the next couple of weeks, and that is taking up all of my bandwidth to actually assist in this matter. I would urge all of you out there, contact your representative in the California legislature, call them, email them, send them a letter, complain about this Proposition 19, and request that they do something about it, that at the very least they extend the deadline to um, to actually comply with the law. There's only a month left that gave very little time to begin with. Uh, if they could extend the deadline 60 to 90 days, that might give me enough time to get up to speed uh, and and do the type of planning that needs to be done so I can help some people. Right now, though, um, I, I really don't have that expertise other than in a very general sense, and I don't like the idea of rushing to do this kind of planning. Um, when you rush things like this, there's a greater likelihood or or chance of mistakes being made. In a case like this, a mistake being made could mean that all the planning is for no use whatsoever um, and and the problems still happen because the planning uh, was not done properly or is not done uh, in a way that's going to be successful to accomplish the goals of avoiding Prop 19. So I'm going to focus my show today on my usual format for my show, which is to go with questions and answers from around the state of California for situations that live people are getting into right now. And um, and I've gone through, I have a number of them lined up already, and I think a lot of them are of general interest that would apply to a lot of people listening to the show today. I will say if you'd like to call in today, you can call to 800-516-1220. I will take callers on the air as long as it's not about Proposition 19. If you want to find out more about Proposition 19, listen to the podcasts of my shows from December 5th, uh, excuse me, December 4th, yeah, December 4th and December 25th, Christmas Day, which are up on the website at kdow.biz, B-I-Z. Look for Plan Your State Radio. Look for those two podcasts. They're actually labeled uh, being about Proposition 19. Listen to those if you want to get better educated about what the problems are with Proposition 19. So diving in now, uh, let me go ahead and cover some questions and comments from around the state of California. First of all, um, someone asked the question, can I quit claim my property in a trust directly to my child's trust? person said, I have a property in my trust I'd like to transfer to my child who's over 21 years of age. Well, I assume what they mean is their adult child. Well, if you want to actually give a property to a child and you have it in a trust, the better approach would be to transfer it out of the trust into your name and then a second deed transferring from your name to your child. Now, I'm not telling people to do that. I'm saying if that's what somebody wants to do, I would do it as a two-step process, a transfer out of the trust to your individual name, then a transfer from your individual name to your child. 
not directly into your child's trust. Your child should do that if they have a trust. So this is really a a, a three-step process. I think that makes it very clear what you're doing. And, uh, and one of the things you want to do is you want to make sure that the title to property is clear, that the title is easy to follow. I see a lot of transfers done over the years that actually are really, really problematic because what because um, it's very confusing what people actually intended. So I'm going to suggest doing it as a three-parter right there. Out of the trust to you, from you to your child, and then your child from themselves to their own trust. Okay, so here's a question. What can my brother or I do if we only have a photocopy of our parents' trust agreement? Actually, it's not a parent's. It's actually a sister's trust agreement. Oh, yeah, here we go. Parent's trust agreement. All they have is a photocopy of the trust. Uh, Mom said that there was a pour of a will, but we haven't found it. Well, I'll tell you, you can do the administration of a trust estate using a photocopy of the trust instead of the original, as long as it's a complete copy of the trust and has all the information that you need in there. Uh, The issue would come if there was property that's real estate or bank accounts, brokerage accounts that was outside of the trust and there's no indication in the trust itself for a schedule of assets or an assignment of assets that that the uh, property was intended to be part of the trust, then you'd likely have to go to court with a Hegstat petition. But not having a pour-over will could cause serious problems. Uh, you may not be able to successfully do that. Um, I do those all the time, and I find you need at least a pour-over will to do them successfully. Well, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. Um, I will talk with you on the other side of the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the second segment of the show today. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. If you'd like to call into the show, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. I will take calls on the air today if someone calls in, as long as it's not about Proposition 19. Okay, continuing on with more questions and comments. Let's take a look here at this one here out of my, uh, my town here of San Jose. Okay, the question um, arose in for this person right here. Said, my friend died without a will. He was not married, had no children. His parents are in China and cannot come to the United States to handle the probate. Can the parents hire a lawyer to become the administrator of the estate? Excellent question. The answer is absolutely they can. If this person died had no spouse, no children, that means that their parents under California law are the intestate heirs. Intestate means dying without a will, as this person did. They can actually um, have someone else petition the court to be the administrator acting um, on their behalf 
in that petition, they would include that they are the ones entitled to be the administrator, but they're declining to serve. And there would likely also be an attachment to the petition that indicates they appoint uh, Joe Lawyer to be the administrator of the estate of their child that passed away. Um, this is something that could be done. Sometimes someone could be named in a will and they don't want to be the executor of the will in the estate, so they decline to serve. And then you file their declination to serve uh, with the court as part of the petition. So, yes, that's something that can be done. They can hire somebody, and the person they hire actually would be entitled to statutory fees under the probate code to do the job as administrator. So assuming the estate's large enough to to matter, they should be able to engage someone to act as the administrator. And certainly an attorney, especially an estate attorney, might be a good choice for that purpose. Okay, here's someone said, uh, Big Bear Lake, California. Wow, I should know where that is, but I'm not quite sure. I'm guessing guessing it's up in the Sierra Nevada somewhere. Um, so I think that's a pretty good guess. Uh, I'm sure it's it's not down in the Tehachapi's, uh, but it sure sounds like a mountain town, doesn't it? Big Bear Lake. Makes me wonder, is, are the, is the lake surrounded by big bears, or was there just one big bear that owned the lake? But anyway, Big Bear Lake, California, a person said they recently sold their home that was in their living trust. Now they'd like to put their new home in the process of being built into the living trust. Do I need a quit claim deed? What's the process? Well, the house is not built yet, but really the issue is the land that you're building that new home on. And yes, you can put the land into your living trust. Uh, you don't need to do a quit claim deed. I would say just do a regular old grant deed transferring from yourself to yourself as trustee of your living trust. You record that with a preliminary change of ownership report. Um, the issue here is that uh, if this is intended to be your personal residence, you want to make sure that the that the deed has language um, that deals with this uh, this additional fee that's put on a transfer of real estate when it's not your personal residence. That's a seventy-five dollar fee. Uh, there's special language that can be put on a deed that says this is a transfer um, dealing with into a trust, uh, dealing with uh, the personal residence of the person. On the preliminary change of ownership report, there's a place to say to indicate, yes, it's my personal residence. When do you intend to occupy it? You'd put down the, the date that you plan to move into it. So the assessor knows not to reassess the property in any way and also knows that um, you intended to be your personal residence. So that's kind of the process. I would suggest uh, rather than doing this on your own, see if a title company would draw it up for you or see if a local estate planning attorney in your county could do the paperwork for you. Okay. Um, my trust is 20 years old and my situation has changed significantly over the years. I would like for my sister, my only sibling, to be the executor of my will and trustee of my trust and sole beneficiary of my state. 
which is a residential duplex and several retirement and investment accounts. The retirement investment accounts have changed. Now, my sister's a U.S. citizen, but does reside in Germany right now. Can she be named executor if she lives abroad? Uh, answer is yes. If she's a U.S. citizen, she can be named as the executor of a will and the trustee of a trust uh, that is here. Um, I do not believe she would be considered a foreign trustee if, in fact, she is a U.S. citizen. That only applies to non-citizen, non-residents of the United States. So if the sister was a German citizen and not a U.S. citizen, that could cause serious problems with the Internal Revenue Service. So, yes, you could do that. Um, but here the issue, when I see retirement accounts, retirement accounts are not put into a living trust. Retirement accounts you designate a beneficiary on. So the person could designate the sister as the beneficiary of the retirement accounts. And then I would say designate the trust as the backup or second beneficiary on those retirement accounts, just in case the sister passed away before this person who wants to put the sister on as the beneficiary and trustee and executor of her will. Okay, uh, four months ago, my oldest sister died. I just got a document waiver of bond by heir or beneficiary. What does it mean for me? So um, my young sister said that a house belonging to my dead sister belongs to her. Now I get this letter, waiver of bond by heir or beneficiary. What should I do? My younger sister says, just sign the paper. Well, a waiver of bond, that suggests that it's going through probate. Normally, probate requires that a surety bond be posted by whoever is handling the estate uh, in probate that can be waived if all of the heirs of the estate waive the posting of a bond because it does cost money to post a bond in probate. It's based on the value of the probate estate and it's a percentage of that value and it can it can go into several thousand dollars if it's a large estate. If someone waives a bond what they're doing is they're saying, we don't want to go to that expense, but it also means that if the executor of the estate or administrator of the estate decides to play fast and loose with the property in the estate, such as uh, taking it and converting it to their own use or selling a property and then taking the money and walking away with it, there is no bond that can be looked to to pay back the rest of the heirs for the actions of the executor that misappropriated assets. So we're coming up on the, the mid-show break. I'll talk with you afterwards. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Okay, continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. I'm going to, um, let's see, here's one. Okay, um, is it true that when one spouse dies, the trust they had together will split into two trusts automatically? Um, 
Each trust will have half the assets of the trust along with the separate property of the spouse. Surviving spouse is the trustee over both trusts. Really? Is that true in every state? Well, I'll tell you, it's true in every state if that's what the trust provides. What's being described here is what we have typically called in the estate planning community uh, an AB marital trust. Um, A trust typically being the trust of the surviving spouse with their half of property and the B trust typically being the trust of the deceased spouse with their half of the property. And, uh, and, and the B trust is an irrevocable trust and the A trust is a revocable trust. So first of all, um, only if the trust provides for this to happen would it be divided. And in fact, it could be divided in two or even three trusts or even more trusts, depending on how it's drafted. But typically, one, two, or three trusts, depending on what the trust says. So there's not, first of all, there's nothing automatic about it. Someone has to take the steps to actually divide assets, retitle assets into the name of the new trust or trusts, all kinds of things like that. But um, that is a typical trust here in California, but certainly not every trust is like that. Okay. Uh, let's see, jumping over here. What is the best way to find an estate attorney experienced with charitable remainder trusts? Now, let me explain explain briefly what a charitable remainder trust is. It's a trust, an irrevocable trust that someone sets up and then they transfer property into that trust ownership and property is typically highly appreciated assets such as stock or real estate, bonds, things like that, that were purchased for one price and they're worth a lot more today uh, and people don't want to sell those assets themselves because they'll have a lot of income tax consequence if they do that. If they put it into a charitable remainder trust, the assets can then be sold and pay no income tax and then reinvest it, maybe to provide better cash flow for the person who originally owned them. The deal is this, though. They have to be set up with um, with a charitable, one or more charities as the remainder beneficiaries of the trust, hence charitable remainder trust. That means you can't do this and then have the property pass on to your children or grandchildren when you die. Instead, uh, it goes to one or more charities that you've designated ahead of time. So um, this person said, we're having a hard time finding attorneys with experience with charitable remainder uh, trust. In this case, a CRUT charitable remainder unit trust or a, um, and it's hard to find, and it's true, it's hard to find attorneys with appropriate experience. Um, I have some experience with charitable remainder trust, but in my entire career, I have literally only set up two. That's in 40 years, too. The reason for that is a lot of people, when they sit down and you explain it to them, they go, gee, that could be really valuable. But what you're saying is I have to give away my real estate, give away my stock portfolio, give away, and and and, and my kids won't get it when I'm gone. I go, yes, that's, that's true. 
And then people will often say, well, gosh, is there a way to deal with that? And I say, yes, you can set up an irrevocable life insurance trust and direct in that trust uh, and make gifts to that trust in order to buy life insurance on yourself that pays out for the benefit of your children or grandchildren when you die and maybe is roughly the same value of the asset you're putting into the charitable remainder trust. So people say, so to accomplish this, I have to set up two trusts. I have to start paying for life insurance. And maybe I get income now from the charitable remainder trust. But then that will typically stop when I die and it all goes to charity. And then my kids get life insurance instead of those assets. And I go, yeah. And what I find out is that most people say, I just don't want to do that. So um, I talk probably once or twice a year. I talk with somebody about interested in doing that, and then they end up not interested in doing that. So that's one of the reasons why it's hard to find attorneys that are well-versed in charitable remainder trust, because most people just don't do them. Um, I would say all you can do is check around, check websites to see if they list charitable remainder trust or charitable trusts on their website. And that's the best way to start uh, to find attorneys that actually can assist with that. Okay. Um, Okay. The person said, this is an interesting one. I'm the trustee of a trust. My father put his house in the trust and upon his death, my sister and I were supposed to inherit it. However, my father died 12 years ago and the trust never distributed the property to either my sister or I and is still in the ownership of the trust. Now, my sister has recently died. Will my deceased sister's daughter need to do a probate to receive her mother's share or can I just distribute the trust to myself and my niece at a later date? Let me start first by saying Don't let it be undistributed for 12 years. This is one of the problems it creates. At the moment the father died, both of the siblings had a right to that property. I think that the proper thing to do is to open a probate for the deceased sister's estate and distribute the half of the house into the probate estate so it can be passed on to the niece. Um, I don't think that there's any basis for distributing straight from the trust to the niece um, unless the trust had some kind of survivorship requirement, like um, my daughter receives it as long as she doesn't die within 90 days of my death. Well, clearly it's been 12 years. That uh, That would not apply at all. So this just shows part of the problems of not doing proper administration when it's time to do it. And I run into situations like this regularly where the family just never follows through on administering the trust. Uh, I would say this person needs to get into contact with an estate planning attorney to assist them. Perhaps the attorney has uh, some magic way of doing it so it doesn't have to go through probate, but I think it likely has to go through probate for the deceased sister's estate because that interest is already owned by the deceased sister's estate. Now, 
if the deceased sister had a trust, a living trust, and a pour-over will, then a Hegstat petition might very well work to take the half of the property that was supposed to go to the deceased sister and have the court just turn it over to her trust for the benefit of her child, um, the niece of the person that's asking the question. Uh, I've done something similar like that in the last year, um, and, and it, that could be done as long as it's done uh, in a place such as I work where they would permit a pour-over will to be sufficient for that purpose. Uh, that's not going to be the case in most of the state, uh, maybe in everywhere but the one county that I work in, but um, that would be another consideration. So it's possible there won't need to be a probate, but I don't have enough additional information to determine whether that would be the case. So here, when uh, when creating a living trust, what sorts of documents would I need to create? And what's the process for adding to the trust? Okay, well, first of all, adding things to the trust is a matter of taking a title in the name of the trust or transferring title to to the name of the trust. Uh, you don't have to change the trust itself to add uh, things into the trust. You don't have to go to court. This person want to know what I need to go to court. You don't have to do that. But most documents in an estate plan would include the living trust document, a pour over will, typically an assignment of assets to the trust, a certification of the trust, which is a document that tells especially financial institutions, the name of the trust, who's in charge, maybe has some of the powers of the trustee attached to it, an advanced health care directive for medical uh, needs if you can no longer direct your care, a durable power of attorney for finances to cover all those things that are not covered by your trust, such as retirement plans, um, which cannot be in the trust, and any assets you choose to leave out of the trust, like a bank account, for example, you want someone who's an agent under a power of attorney. And then a HIPAA authorization, which is a medical privacy form that says who has the authority to make um, to find out what's going on with you medically. Um, that could be broader than the people you've named to be your healthcare agents under an advanced directive. And then if you're married, you might want to have a marital property agreement that properly characterizes your property as either community property or um, married, um, married property that is separate for each spouse. Okay, well, we're coming up on the uh, end of the third break of the show today. And when I come back after that, I'll wrap up the show with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. But until then, if you want to wait for after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman host of Plan Your State Radio, and I'll see you on the other side. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're on the final lap today, coming around the far turn and heading for the finish line. So let's uh, cover maybe uh, three or four more questions before we call it a day. Um, question, in California, can you change the trustee of a special needs trust? It says, uh, my son is the trustee of my special needs trust. I do not believe my son is capable of handling the trust. 
There's no provision in the trust for a successor. Well, the short answer is if you are mentally competent or or um, are able to get someone to act on your behalf, um, it's possible uh, to go to court and have the trustee of, of any trust that's an irrevocable trust changed um, if for cause. Um, if your son is willing to cooperate with that, it can be done through the court system and maybe modify the trust at the same time so that there's now provisions for successors being appointed and what it be, would be done so you don't have to go to court over and over again. But yes, the trustee of any irrevocable trust can be changed through court action um, if there's no provisions in the trust itself for successors to be appointed or even for trustees to be replaced if that is the appropriate thing to do. Okay, uh, what can I do if something happens to me and I have two kids who are minors and the other parent is not in their life? Okay, I have sole legal custody of my two children and the other parent, uh, father, has not seen them since we separated four years ago. The judge gave me sole and legal custody two years ago, which, which the father agreed to at court, but he's not seen the children at all since separation or court. I have no number or address for him and was wondering if something happens to me being the legal custody parent, can I assign someone in the event that happens or would the kids go with their father? He does have a child support order, but of course he doesn't pay. Fortunately, that's that's far too common. This is primarily a family law question, but I will answer from an estate planning standpoint. You can create a will or a nomination of guardians that expresses your wishes as to who should be the guardians for your minor children. So if you become incapacitated or you pass away while they're still minors, you now have some documentation to show to the court of what you wanted to have happen. And uh, and, and an argument could be made that just because, uh, because he gave up um, custody of the children, even though he's the father, uh, he may not automatically have the right to be the custodian for them or for their property that might be inheriting. Now, I'd suggest with this person, set up a trust, put the things that you have into a trust, and put the person you want in charge of that uh, for your children. So if the court does name the father as the guardian, he also is not the guardian of any inheritance that they might be receiving from you. Because um, if, you know, depending on the person, uh, you don't want to put the fox in charge of the hen house, to use an expression. Uh, if if the father is financially unable to support the children, you don't want them, uh, you don't want him taking over custody and then using their own inheritance to support them because that would not be appropriate. Um, if their inheritance is going to be used to support them, it should be done by someone that you've selected to use it for their benefit. And you can do that most effectively by putting your property into a living trust. And then you designate who the person or persons are going to be that handle that for your children should something happen to you. You can always nominate someone other than the child's 
parent to be the guardians for them. And certainly the guardian of the estate of the children is not automatically going to be the other parent. The the guardian of the person of the children, meaning with custody, might very well be awarded, but you can make sure that there's no financial incentive for the father to uh, step forward and be the the guardian for his children by making sure that any finances that you leave for the children are separate from caring for them. So that's kind of what I would suggest in reference to that. Someone wanted to know, uh, how do I find an attorney that specializes in special needs trusts and government benefits in, um, in this case, Santa Cruz County? Well, for any county, do a Google search. I'll use the term. Do an Internet search for special needs trust, supplemental needs trust, um, disabled estate planning, things like that in your county. Um, elder law attorneys are probably a good bet for that. If they do elder law, they're going to be doing special needs planning as part of that practice. Uh, so that's what I would recommend there is look carefully to see if someone um, is an elder law attorney. Look on their website to see if they do special needs planning. I do some, but I don't consider it to be a major part of my practice. Um, but that is kind of what I would suggest there. Well, we're coming up on the end of our show today. I hope it's been informative. I hope that um, you're keeping well, that you're um, social distancing, all the things we need to do to try and get this pandemic under control. I hope that we'll be able to get vaccines coming out more quickly and that we'll all be able to return to some semblance of normalcy later on this year. So until next Friday, this is attorney Bob Bergman host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and you have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.